Hi, uh, I am Lily Jen. Uh, in this second uh, of the two-part series uh, on uh, our studies of ion channels, uh, I will tell you about calcium-activated chloride channels. Uh, this is uh, part of a long-term collaboration I've had with Yunong Jen. Calcium-activated chloride channels uh, have only been molecularly identified in this millennium, about a decade ago, even though uh, these channels have been studied ever since the 1980s, and they have been associated with a number of different uh, functions uh, that are important. Uh, in this talk, I will first go over the ways we went about identifying the channel molecule and then tell you what we have learned about uh, the function of these channels. For a channel uh, of interest, uh, where we know about the function but not the, uh, the, the molecules that form these channels, uh, one general approach uh, is to identify a rich source for this channel and inject pools of RNA uh, into xenopus oocytes so that the channel activity can be detected uh, with recording from the oocytes. And we can then subdivide these uh, pools uh, of cDNAs until we end up with a single clone uh, for the channel. For this approach to work, however, uh, the xenopus oocytes used as the expression system cannot be expressing the channel of interest. So if we inject water into the xenopus oocytes, we should see uh, no channel activity. This approach uh, of expression cloning uh, was initially pioneered by Julius and Nakanishi. And in their uh, early studies uh, using this approach, they cloned uh, G-protein couple receptors that activate a signaling pathway, including uh, the activation of phospholipase C and the release of calcium from internal store. And they relied on the calcium-activated chloride channels that are endogenous to the xenopus oocytes to report the activation of this uh, whole signaling pathway. And we know that these uh, calcium-activated chloride channels in the xenopus oocytes serve an important function uh, to prevent polyspermia. And these channels actually have been studied uh, in the oocyte ever since the 1980s. And for this reason, we know xenopus oocytes cannot be used as the expression system for expression cloning of uh, CACC. And instead, uh, Bjorn Schroeder uh, went to the axolotl oocytes that are physiologically polyspermic. And uh, by finding very little endogenous CACC expression in the axolotl oocytes, Bjorn used these oocytes as the expression system and uh, Xenopus oocytes as the source of RNA for CACC uh, to clone uh, calcium-activated chloride channel. And that led to the identification of Xenopus TMEM16A as CACC. And he then tested a mammalian homologs and found that uh, of, in the family with 10 members, 
TMEN16A and 16B form calcium activated chloride channels. And around the same time, uh, O's group in Korea and Galeata's group in uh, Italy uh, independently came to the conclusion that TMEN16A forms calcium activated chloride channels by using very different approaches. From recent studies, uh, we see that TMEM16A is very broadly expressed in the periphery, uh, including epithelial cells and smooth muscle cells. Uh, and TMEM16B is expressed in multiple brain regions and also in sensory neurons for uh, odor and perception and for, in photoreceptors. In the photoreceptors, uh, the calcium-activated chloride channels formed by TMEM16B reside at the ribbon synapse. Uh, they bind to the PSD95 anchor protein, and they provide negative feedback regulation. In the odorant neurons, uh, in the cilia, where the uh, odorant will activate G-protein couple receptors, leading to the opening of cyclic nucleotide-gated ion channels, that permeate both calcium and other positively charged ions like sodium. The calcium uh, will then activate calcium-activated chloride channels. So CACC formed by TMEM16B uh, provides the low-noise, high-gain amplification of the odorant signal. Uh, in the nervous system, we see that TMEM16A is found in sensory neurons in the dorsal root ganglia, but uh, TMEM16B is found in different brain regions in central neurons. There's a curious correlation. The cells that express 16B tend to express uh, potassium chloride co-transporters, and these cells have low chloride concentration uh, inside, and so chloride channels are inhibitory. But in the cells like the dorsal root ganglia, and also in immature neurons in the brain, the cells use a different transporter, the sodium-potassium chloride co-transporter. And these cells have high uh, chloride concentration, and chloride channels are excitatory. And this applies to many different cells in the periphery and also cells in other organisms, including the green algae. We know uh, from studies in the 1980s, calcium-activated chloride channels are present in the green algae. And actually, these are the channels that are responsible for generating action potentials. It's not sodium channels. And so we can see the action potentials in these green algae uh, are, are slower. It takes seconds uh, rather than milliseconds, as uh, in the case of action potentials in the nerves and muscles. And these have been referred to as the calcium, uh, as the chemical action potential, because it requires the calcium rise uh, to induce the action potential. And when the uh, light is switched off, uh, calcium becomes uh, released from chloroplasts. And so we can see then there's a progressive uh, shortening 
in the latency for the action potential generation. And during the action potential, there's further rise in the calcium, and that will result in a pulse uh, in the uh, cytoplasmic streaming. And these are really large cells, as uh, you can see uh, in the green algae. And the cytoplasmic streaming is one way to move you know, the organelles and materials around uh, in, in the cell. Now, uh, back to the animal kingdom. Uh, in the airway uh, epithelia, we see two different kinds of chloride channels on the apical side, the luminal side of the cell. Uh, one is calcium-activated chloride channel uh, formed by TMEM16A, and the other is CFTR, and uh, that's the channel linked to the disease, uh, cystic fibrosis. And these chloride channels are responsible for controlling or participate in the control of uh, the thickness of the airway surface liquid, the ASL, and that liquid uh, lining the luminous side of the epithelia is very important for mucociliary clearance of a pathogen in the airway. Uh, in the airway, uh, the, these calcium-activated chloride channels formed by TMEM16A also facilitate the release of mucin into the lumen. And from the 1980s, we have learned from studies of different exocrine glands that calcium-activated chloride channels are important for controlling the secretion uh, from you know, salivary glands, sweat glands, and so on. And these uh, uh, glands express TMEM16A. In the smooth muscle, uh, the calcium-activated chloride channels can be activated, for example, uh, with a quantum release a, a, a bolus of calcium from internal stores, uh, and this uh, will cause the nearby calcium-activated chloride channels on the cell membrane to open, uh, leading to what's referred to as stick, a spontaneous transient inward current that will cause depolarization, and that will further lead to opening of voltage-gated calcium channels. So it's a positive uh, feedback to sustain the rising calcium and smooth muscle contraction. Uh, in the gut, you know, the gastrointestinal tract, uh, there are cells uh, referred to as interstitial cells of Cajal, and likewise, uh, there are calcium-activated chloride channels, and when there's a puff of calcium from internal store, that will generate a stick uh, marked here, uh, this little rising. And this uh, spontaneous transient depolarization will then uh, lead to opening of voltage-gated calcium channels and generate these slow waves. Uh, the interstitial cells of Cajal are in gap junction, electrically coupled with smooth muscles. So in the gut, uh, there's actually a whole network uh, of uh, interstitial cells of Cajal electrically coupled to one another and also to smooth muscles. And the propagation of these slow waves control the rhythmic movement of the stomach and the intestine. So we see uh, 
in the wild type control, the isolated stomach still goes through a rhythmic contraction. Uh, but in the mutant uh, mice without TM16A, the, uh, the stomach is not uh, doing that. It, there's no rhythmic uh, movement. Uh, so in the interstitial cells of Cahal, uh, TMEM16A is responsible or required for the formation of uh, pacemaker activity, these slow waves that control the rhythmic movement uh, of the GI tract. Uh, in the epithelial cells, uh, TMEM16A and CFTR again, uh, are uh, on the luminal side, the apical side of the epithelial cells. And so having these two different chloride channels uh, on the same side, the luminal side uh, of epithelial cells in the intestine and also in the airway, uh, have raised the prospect that perhaps activating uh, calcium-activated chloride channels may be one way to uh, reduce or ameliorate some of the symptoms of patients with cystic fibrosis. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, TMEM16A is very broadly expressed in different epithelial tissues. And the, uh, in these epithelial cells, the channel protein is on the cell membrane and also on the surface of uh, cilia, uh, macrovilla included. And to uh, ask what these channels might be doing uh, or what functions these channels might have in epithelia, uh, Mu He uh, expressed a chloride sensor, a fluorescent protein in the epithelial cells, and found that the fluorescence would change uh, with the external chloride concentration. Reducing the chloride concentration will cause a rise in fluorescence, and restoring the high chloride concentration will cause a fall, a drop in the fluorescence intensity. And so the, flor the, the fluorescence intensity is inversely proportional uh, to the chloride concentration in the cytosol. And uh, in the mutant cells without 16A, uh, the, the pink ones, or the control cells treated with a blocker of this channel, there's uh, a reduction in the fluorescence intensity. So uh, we see that the channel in these cells uh, control chloride homeostasis. So without the channel activity, the cytoplasmic chloride concentration is higher. And uh, to look at uh, the consequence of varying the chloride concentration, uh, one thing uh, Mu He noticed is uh, the recycling endosome trafficking uh, depends on the chloride concentration. So reducing the chloride concentration will increase the appearance of eat coherent uh, in the recycling endosome. And the recycling of re uh, e coherent is a process that happens all the time uh, that allows the cells to rearrange the adherence junctions formed by e coherent and uh, this is particularly important when the cells are adjusting uh, its arrangement with the neighbors, as in the case of uh, embryogenesis during development. So in early stages, uh, uh, in these panels, 
we see that the epithelial cells are still at the stage of active proliferation, and they pack against each other mainly as pentagons with five edges. Uh, and later in development, then uh, these uh, epithelia stabilize and packed as uh, hexagons in a honeycomb uh, form. And in the mutant mice without TMEM16A, this transition uh, from uh, to, to the stable form of epithelia is uh, deficient. We, we don't see this transition to hexagons. This most likely is the result of the uh, alteration in the recycling of E. coherent that's required for the repacking of, of epithelial cells. And the other uh, effect uh, or uh, control mediated by chloride uh, concentration in the cytoplasm is the trafficking of recycling endosomes to the pericentriolar region. And the uh, recycling endosomes in this region is actually the membrane supply, the source of membrane for celiogenesis, for the formation of primary cilia. And this explains for why uh, in the mutants, in multiple tissues, we see much shortened primary cilia. And uh, now that we have gone through some of the physiological functions, uh, I will switch gear and talk about how these channels work. Uh, in our recent study, in collaboration uh, with my UCSF colleague, Yifan Chen, uh, we have uh, seen the channel in uh, the structure uh, with cryo-EN uh, analysis. We see that uh, the protein forms a dimer, and they are actually uh, very well-organized uh, lipids uh, marked in red uh, at the interface. And we see two calcium ions uh, in each monomer, and they are fairly close to where the pore is. So the two calcium ions are coordinated by five acidic residues plus uh, asparagine. And um, right next to the calcium binding site is the pore uh, that's formed by uh, six of the ten uh, transmembrane segments, and three of the six are the transmembrane segments that include the calcium binding sites, the acidic residues and asparagine. Uh, when we mutated uh, residues lining the pore, we find uh, a cluster of residues near the uh, constriction of the pore that uh, play a role in gating of the channel. And then also uh, pore lining residues all along the pore that are important for anion permeation. So replacement of uh, any one of these uh, pore lining residues, or 10 of them, uh, with uh, alanine one at a time, we see that the permeability to iodide versus permeability to chloride is altered, indicating that uh, these residues along the pore in interact with anions in the pore. Uh, to control their uh, permeation. And the cluster of uh, residues that are near the constriction site uh, appear to uh, influence the stability 
of the protein in the open state versus the closed state of the channel. So that alanine mutations of these residues will alter the apparent calcium sensitivity of the channel for activation. Um, a hallmark feature that has been known ever since the 80s uh, is uh, uh, indicated by the blue triangles and the red uh, diamonds in the current voltage relationship. And that is, when the calcium concentration in the cytosol is low, the channel shows very strong voltage dependence. But when the calcium concentration is much higher, uh, there's a linear current voltage relationship. There's very little voltage dependence. Uh, our recent study uh, reported this year in Nature uh, in Neuron uh, gives uh, further uh, insight uh, to the, the way the channel works. Uh, we see that most likely the channel has actually two different open states. When the channel uh, or the, each monomer has uh, one calcium bond, uh, it's highly voltage dependent, so the channel is closed unless there is depolarization. And so when the membrane is depolarized to a more positive value, we see an instantaneous current uh, that reflecting this open state. And uh, physiologically, the significance of this uh, uh, single, singly uh, occupied uh, channel is that uh, these channels will not really affect the resting membrane potential, but it will modulate the excitatory synaptic potential and also the action potential, uh, because during those uh, uh, synaptic potentials or action potentials, there will be depolarization. Now, if we look at the green curve and the blue curve, we see that uh, just having different anions uh, going through the pore the channel activity is different. Uh, and so the iodine will have a greater effect uh, in potentiating the channel activity compared to chloride. And so this is one form of uh, positive feedback. Once the channel is, is opened and the anions are going through the pore, it will actually potentiate the channel activity. And then we see uh, in this uh, voltage clamp experiment with prolonged depolarization, there's a gradual rise in the channel activity. And that reflects the occupation of the second calcium binding site. And when the channel has both uh, calcium binding sites occupied, <clears throat> it transitions into a different uh, open conformation that shows no voltage dependence. And this increased activity is also physiologically important. So we see in recent studies, uh, in this case, uh, recording of neurons from the inferior olive, uh, removing the calcium-activated chloride channel uh, formed by TMEM16B will alter the action potential waveform, the duration, and also the after-hyperpolarization. And in this other example, it's recording from thalamocortical neurons. Uh, it makes the point that with prolonged uh, depolarization and 
a whole series of action potentials being generated. This prolonged depolarization and calcium uh, entry uh, during the action potential will lead to uh, a progressively larger fraction uh, or larger number uh, of the calcium-activated chloride channels getting both calcium uh, binding sites occupied and entering into a a more active state. And that will lead to a progressive decrease in the firing rate. And this is the phenomenon known as a spike frequency adaptation. Uh, This uh, uh, makes the point that in mammals, uh, the uh, family of TMEM16, TMEM stands for transmembrane protein with unknown function. Uh, we know that 16A and 16B form calcium-activated chloride channel. It was quite surprising to see that the functions of other family members are really very diverse. They are not all calcium-activated chloride channels. Uh, when we just go down the list, uh, we found that TMEM16C behaves as an auxiliary subunit of a potassium channel, a sodium-activated potassium channel. So uh, have, the channel has both the uh, alpha subunit and the beta subunit, TMEM16C, will have greater sodium sensitivity and also greater stability. So in the sensory neurons uh, of the dorsal root ganglia. Uh, In the wild type, there are many more of these channels and greater sodium-activated potassium current than in the uh, the animals without TMEM16C. And the end result uh, is uh, knocking out TMEM16C will increase the excitability of these sensory neurons and also increase the pain sensitivity of the animal. And another example uh, is TMEM16F. That turns out to be associated, linked to a human disease uh, that's a bleeding disorder known as Scott syndrome. And the function of TMEM16F is required for calcium-activated lipid scramblase activity in platelet cells and other cell types. And the scrambling of lipids in the lipid bilayer allows the, the lipids marked in red, the phosphatidylserine, to be exposed to the cell surface. And that serves as a landing pad for the tissue factors. And that eventually leads to the production of thrombin and uh, blood coagulation. And um, for the other members, uh, likely the functions are going to be intriguing, but quite different. So those are all still open questions. So uh, for this uh, study of the TMEM16 family, uh, Bjorn Schroeder uh, used the axolotl oocytes for expression cloning of the channel. Uh, And uh, so TMEM16A and B are the calcium-activated chloride channel. Uh, Fen Huang uh, did a study of TMEM16C that turned out to be an auxiliary subunit of a potassium channel. Uh, Andrew Kim and Huang He Yan uh, did an 
initial study uh, from our lab on TMEM16F that's linked to the bleeding disorder. Uh, Jason Tian, uh, John Gilchrist, Mu He, uh, Shenji Fan, and Chris Peters have done the more recent uh, biophysical and physiological studies, including the cryo-EM study uh, in collaboration with Yifan Chen. And uh, several other UCSF colleagues, uh, including Dan Miner, Charlie Craig, and uh, Michael Gray. Uh, the, the pain study was done together with uh, Alan Bassbaum and the uh, bleeding order uh, you know, the, the blood coagulation study was done in collaboration with uh, Sean Coughlin. And all of this is a long-term collaboration with Yunong Jen. And the study was pro, uh, supported by Howard Hughes Medical Institute, NIH, and a number of uh, postdoctoral fellowships. Thank you. <laughs>